0: Hello, I'm Oliver Colling, and this is my 70s TV childhood. Hello, and welcome back to My 70s TV Childhood, a podcast which looks back to a different time, a time in which I grew up, and a time in which television played a central part in my childhood and in the life and experiences of UK society in the 1970s. Now, this isn't just another show where we say, Weren't things great then, and aren't they terrible today? As that's far too sweeping a generalization. The truth was, the UK was a country in trouble during the 1970s. Union unrest, three-day weeks, Dennis Healy having to go cap-in-hand to the IMF for a bailout, all of which were, frankly, a bit depressing. And that's before I mentioned how I and my family were dressed in family photos from the time. As respite for the realities of life, television was a uniting factor which brought families, work colleagues and the whole nation together and gave us something to lift our spirits and to take us away from the drab day-to-day thanks again for all your comments. I do enjoy hearing from you. Special thanks to all of you who've been sending good wishes following my recent bout of Covid. I am absolutely fine thank you and I'm grateful not to have been too unwell with this awful disease which has caused so much sadness across the world. And so to today's episode. I'm going to try something a bit different today as I am on holiday. So, attempting to make our first episode recorded outside the studio. I hope we won't have any difficulty with sound quality, etc, but let's see. I'm on the lovely island of Jersey, which is in the channel lines for our US listeners, rather than being in Jersey. And as I'm in Jersey, there can really only be one subject for our reminiscences. So what a great excuse for revisiting Jim Bergerac and the Bureau des étrangers section of the Jersey police force. We can remember Charlie Hungerford's dodgy dealing, the glamorous nightlife at Diamond Lil's nightclub in St Helier, share the frisson of Jim's flirting with Lisa Goddard's diamond thief, whose name I forget, and take in lots of lovely Jersey sights. Except hang on, hang on, oh, problem here. Bergerac did not appear on air until 1981, which I do find hard to believe, as it did appear to be an archetypal late 70s creation. So, I'm afraid it does not qualify for my 70s TV childhood, so I need to think again. Hmm, my family and other animals has a Jersey connection, but I'm not sure I remember enough about the the 1970s version. I know, let's take a look at holiday television. It's remarkable how many times we come back to this subject in our reminiscences. I think it's largely because those special programmes were the only things which were meant for us on TV and, as such, bring back very happy memories of childhood. In previous episodes, we remembered the Banana Splits, White Horses, Bell and Sebastian, Robinson Crusoe, and, of course, Hergé's Adventures of Tintin, amongst others. These shows were shown again and again and again across the Christmas, Easter, and summer holidays. This was a very clever move, and I suspect it meant that these programmes were very cheap programming alternatives from the BBC, as they were able to use the same shows, as I say, again and again and again. This meant that children who grew up in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and probably the 80s as well, watched the same shows. And then the BBC came up with a masterstroke in scheduling, let's start showing the shows that our parents grew up with at the cinema in the 1930s and the 1940s and they started showing the big budget Hollywood produced cinema serials which had entertained my parents. Earlier I spoke to one of our regular listeners Paul from South Wales about this. So I'm delighted to be joined again by Paul who's joining us from South Wales who is one of our regular listeners and a regular correspondent to the show who um we last heard from on the subject of Hanna Barbera cartoons, as well as growing up in South Wales. So, welcome back, Paul. It's lovely to have you with us again.
1: Ah, thank you. Back by unpopular demand. Yeah, request <laughs> by the millions. To be back, as Mister and Mrs. Millions living down the road. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, I had lots of responses to,
0: to previous, previous discussion on Hanna Barbera, but there was something else that we corresponded on when. You know, a lot of, lot of memories that I and many of my contemporaries, I think you included, well, what used to happen in, in school holidays when we had – and Saturday mornings when we had actual programs for children in and amongst the normal sort of oasis of of the desert of daytime TV, which didn't really exist, particularly on the BBC. No. And one thing that you brought up was the, um, the number of the, sort of the old 1930s, 40s serials that we used to get played every morning – and I think they, they really brought back some memories to me of watching things like Flash Gordon and Buck
1: Rogers. Do you want to tell me a bit more about your memories of those serials? Yeah, they're, they're very vivid. Uh, we, we discussed uh, before some of the very old serials like uh, Casey Jones, or seem very old to us, and Champion the Wonder Horse, and my mother remembers watching as a girl in the 50s. And oh, I didn't mind cowboys. I had a Lone Ranger tie, and uh used to work for a bank as part-time. who was a Lone Ranger, but uh, I won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we, what I enjoyed more, more were even older ones that were shown in cinemas as series, science fiction and fantasy ones. And uh, I still remember the Larry Bustercraft, fresh Gordon, very clear. The, the actor who played Ming played him quite scarily. I extremely scary, I do remember, yes, yeah. It was yeah. uh, really, really quite, quite unpleasant. It was, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, he was more memorable than, say, Larry, who was a typical American square jawed hero, but he was a, a sports star, I'm sure, so he played him well. He was. I and, mean, he was a sort of all-American boy, I think, wasn't he? Yeah. The titles stick with me. Even now when I I haven't looked this up on the internet or even the book or anything, the three Flash Gordon serials were Flash Gordon well, it took a while to work that went out there, and uh, Flash Gordon's trip to Mars in an ambitious yes. little title, Fra- Flash Gordon yep. Conquers the Universe. So, yeah, well, obviously obviously,
0: yeah, it's ranging ranging in scale. Yeah. Working up to conquering the universe.
1: Yeah, onwards and upwards. <laughs> and uh, hello there. And the effects were good. Were good for their time as well. Yes, the robots seemed literally a bit clunky, but you know, good for. And there was there was footage of waves destroying the earth that was used again and again. But still, for the thirties, very impressive, I'd say. Oh yeah, pretty good. I remember my uh,
0: my dad used to say that he used to see it in the Saturday morning cinema club in the nineteen thirties, yeah. and it was um, oh. he's found it very very exciting. I mean, one of the things, one of the things that I used to remember it used to be slightly frustrating was the fact that every episode was, I don't know how long were they, about 10, 15, 20 minutes long? Yeah. And the first, the first four TV. or five minutes was a recap of what had happened previously. Yeah. And then the last couple of minutes were a preview of what was going to happen next, leaving about 10 minutes of plot. Yeah. The and then always yeah, leaving us exactly. with a big, a big cliffhanger to say, will Flash get out of yeah. here, will whatever. But, um, may made just made, made us come back for more even even if we thought we were a bit more sophisticated when we got to a television sort of watching age
1: yeah it it there was a simplicity i think we liked with it as well it it wasn't just good versus evil it was futuristic and futuristic i think always a always appeals to children. If, if you're looking at the wider context, again, being Mr. Pretentious, critical theory, sci-fi was really big in the 70s. He had uh, films like Rollerball that her parents liked, and, of course, comics, 2000 AD came out in 77, yep. and, of course, yes. Star Wars was a sci-fi, heralded a sci-fi boom completely, didn't it? It was absolutely massive, so... And then, of course, Flash Gordon became a film back in 1918, then. there's, there's always been an interest in Flash. And uh, yes. Buck Rogers yep. as well, yeah. Now, I seem to
0: remember Buck Rogers uh, again was Buster Crab, wasn't it? I think so. Yes. I think you're right yes. There. And it seemed very, it seemed very similar to Flash Gordon from what I remember. Um, yeah. Although, I think the premise was the premise was that he'd been stuck in time and woke up in the 25th century i
1: think that was that's it yeah again this and gil gerard brought it back in the early 80s then and he was uh one of our great eyebrow actors a bit like roger moore <laughs> <laughs> that's right yes yes i used to like that yeah. it used
0: to be on a saturday tea time and that's i used to right. enjoy that
1: yeah, a spoiler for Doctor Who because it was put on exactly the same as Doctor Who, and as if to say, you can't, wa- you can't watch two sci-fi programs at once in the days before yes, you have to or... choose. Yes. Yeah,
0: please note, please note any of our younger listeners, we did have to choose sometimes between which program we were going to watch. And I know some of yeah. you still can't believe that, but do, do listen on to that. Just going back yeah. to the classic serials. I, th- I seem to remember there were some early versions of sort of more more familiar superheroes like Batman
1: and Superman. Yes, they were in the 30s and 40s. It was uh, George Reeves played Superman. Sad, poor old George Reeves came to quite a sad end, really. But uh, he was uh, he wasn't the most muscular of men, really, but he did his best. And on a very, no, I remember he did, of- didn't
0: quite fill out the suit.
1: Not really on the Christopher Reeve no. kind of scale. Yeah, and we had the bat. I can't, I can't actually remember the actor played Batman's name, but uh, I remember his suit as being rather moth-eaten for a multi-millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mentioned
0: George, George Reeves came to a bad end. What happened to George?
1: Well, he was um, – he. the official line was he committed suicide, but he might have oh. uh, – lot of Hollywood gossip. He may have been murdered by his. Um, lots of stories going round about it. Oh gosh, yeah, there I, uh, I had heard that. I had heard that. I'll
0: have to go and have a look up and see what happened there. Yeah. So, how do you yeah, think those? It's... How do you think the serials? Those serials compare to? I mean, today we can't move for superhero films and TV programs and all kinds of other stuff. What do you think was different between those 1930s serials and the sort of things we've got today?
1: I think um, there's a lot, there's a lot with scale, and there's a lot of emphasis on big battles. And there's, in a way, I think we've lost some of the innocence, we've lost some of the simplicity, because watching Superman versus Batman a few years ago, I am a fan of both. I'm a I'm a bit of a comic collector as well. I was even more in the 70s. I'm sure you remember Oliver, all American full colour comics, and you would go to the newsagents, and, and I remember the smell of them. But uh, Superman vs. Batman, I thought, was really boring because all it was was a long, extended, violent fight scene. And <laughs> I thought they wouldn't yes, have had that in the 70s and 40s.
0: No, no. So all, all a bit different. That's yeah. fascinating because it does just really take me back to school holiday so school holiday mornings. Just thinking about those cereals, and uh, yeah. even though you know they, as you say, the special effects were uh, a little out of date, they were still pretty spectacular for the thirties. You know, I it just feel be. myself back there, back there, just uh, relaxing
1: and watching those, and thinking, oh, I wonder what happens next. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. left to coming back for more, and of course we were not not to be sexist about it, but I think as boys like the superheroes, and girls tend to like tend to like the more horsey ones, like white horses and folly foot, and um, yeah, always yes. I think I think that's
0: I think that's a fair co- fair comment. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, well, Paul, thanks for joining us again. That's really good to get some insights on those serials. And um,
1: thank you again for listening, and uh, oh, a really yeah. good to have you with us. I should keep on listening, and uh, best of luck with the next show. I, I should be listening with interest as ever. Thanks, Paul, for your memories on
0: those serials. They were hugely impressive in the way that they worked, and must have made quite an impression on 1930s children – My late father remembered watching them as a child in Lee as part of the regular Saturday morning cinema club he went to, and I remember that he was slightly surprised that I was watching them so many years later. Flash Gordon is the one that sticks with most people, and I have to agree with Paul that the effects were quite something for their day. The rocket ships were loud and shot out huge clouds of sparks, and some of the various aliens involved were pretty frightening or impressive depending on your point of view. The monkey-like Orangapoid, which appeared at some point, was particularly scary, I remember. A bit like an exhibit at a freak show. Of the other aliens, the largely good-natured winged birdmen of Prince Voltan were a notable addition, flapping around, Mercury-like, whilst initially supporting the Emperor Ming before realising the error of their ways and coming round to work with fashionist chums. Emperor Ming himself, played by Charles B. Middleton, was truly wicked and frightening, as recalled by Paul earlier. As the ruthless leader of the planet Mongo, he displayed little compassion in dispatching enemies without a by your leave, and his pronouncements to the screen were truly chilling. I can imagine rows and rows of nineteen thirty cinema goers, including my father, booing and hissing when he committed yet another awful deed. The spirits of these serials lived on beyond the seventies and was lovingly captured in the 1980 film version of Flash Gordon, with the unforgettable Queen soundtrack, and the deadpan performances of a host of Hollywood's finest, including Sam J. Jones as Flash, the great Max von Sydow as Ming the Merciless, and our own Brian Blessed as Prince Fultan in, I think, what must be one of his most remarkable roles, as a winged warrior wearing a helmet, breastplate, and what looked like an oversized nappy. Anyone of my age only has to hear the opening beats of the Queen theme to remember Brian's performance and his contribution to the top ten selling record during the famous dialogue. A general Carla, Flash Gordon approaching. What do you mean, a Flash Gordon approaching? Open fire. All weapons. And then Brian chips in. Gordon's alive! Marvellous stuff. And apologies, Brian, for the terrible, terrible impression. The um, Buck Rogers serial, as I mentioned earlier, seemed just like Flash Gordon to me, only the difference being that the hero had been in suspended animation and woken up 500 years in the future. But it too was a hit in its day, and provides happy memories of school holidays of the 70s. It also prompted the revival of the character in 1979.
1: the last of america's deep space probes in a freak mishap ranger 3 and its pilot captain william buck rogers are blown out of their trajectory into an orbit which freezes his life support systems and returns buck rogers to earth 500 years later
0: Gil Gerrard as Buck and Erin Gray as Colonel Wilma Deering popped up in The Revival and the first series was a landmark of Saturday tea time television. It played to the Star Wars agenda that TV and cinema were desperately trying to compete against and to be honest it was pretty good. A mix of adventure, comedy and in the first series the sadness of Rogers realising that everyone and everything he had ever known was long dead or destroyed an intelligent piece of drama all round. The second series went a bit downhill for me, and involved Buck and Wilma going into space on a big scientific discovery vehicle, think sort of Star Trek or Battlestar Galactica sort of vibe, Um, and it didn't last much longer, and was cancelled before a third season could be commissioned. Do you remember Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers and the like? Did you enjoy them, or think as a friend of mine did at school that they were ancient rubbish, let me know on our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com, tweet at 70s TV Childhood, or email me, oliver, at my70stvchildhood.com. That's all for now. My remote broadcasting appears to have held up, so take care and join us again soon for more from My 70s TV Childhood.